Hello, everybody. This is Bill Knauer, and you're listening to Author to Author, where we talk about writing and life, because what it takes to write the book you want to write is also what it takes to lead the life you want to lead. It's true. Author to Author is brought to you by Author Magazine, premier writing magazine on the internet featuring articles on writing and the writing life, as well as video interviews, best-selling and award-winning authors across the genres, all kinds of genres. Right now, we've got an interview with Kat Rambo up there, science fiction and fantasy writer, very interesting woman, a great conversation about world building and about listening to your characters. And ah, It's a good conversation. She's an interesting woman. Check it out at authormagazine.org. And of course, we're funded by the wonderful Pacific Northwest Writers Association, supporting writers from pen to publication since 1955. PNWA offers a great writers' conference every year. It goes in September, of course. It just happened a couple months ago, but we have these uh, flash sales, what they call flash sales. So you get a discount. I think it's normally 450 bucks. Now it's 375 if you do it now. Plus, I think you get extra meetings with agents and editors. It's quite a deal. Actually, if you go to Author Magazine's homepage, there's a link over to that right there on the homepage. Or you can just go straight to author, or excuse me, straight to pnwa.org if you want to check out the flash sale. Or if you just want to sign up so you can go to their monthly meetings, uh, just be a part of the group out here. So check it out at pnwa.org. Yeah, I haven't got much going on right now. I don't think nothing really coming up. Oh, you know, uh, I should mention, if you're on Facebook, and some of you might be, there's something called the Writer's Digest Authors Exchange. Writer's Digest Authors Exchange. Writer's Digest published Fearless Writing last year of mine. And every week, authors, including me, and my time is coming up next week, as a matter of fact, uh, every day give advice and feedback and sometimes live videos. They're on Facebook as a part of the group. It's a growing uh, little community there. And if you want to check it out and join it, I encourage you to do so. So go over to Facebook, and it's Authors, Writers Digest Author, Authors Exchange. That's what it's called. And I'm a part of it, and it's awesome. Okay. Well, so, boy, talk about busy. Today's guest is Carla Neggers, and Carla is uh, the New York Times bestselling author of more than 75 novels. Whew including her popular Sharp and Donovan and Swift River Valley series. Uh, her books have been translated into dozens of languages and sold in over 35 countries. Yes, they have. And Kirk has called her books smart and satisfying. RT Book Reviews called them extraordinarily memorable. Publishers Weekly said they were highly entertaining. And the Library Journal said she has an unerring knack for creating compelling, sympathetic characters and vivid, realistic settings. Of course she does. She's Carla Neggers. Carla, welcome to the show. Oh, glad to be here. So, Carla, all right. So, 75 novels. You started writing them when you were two, and you've just been going ever since. No, when did you start writing them? You got out of college. You had a, you, you sold a book, like, kind of right away, didn't you? I, I really did, and I started writing as a kid. I mean, some people yeah. don't do this, but I was um, – um, very young, and I would climb a tree. I grew up in the country with six brothers and sisters, and just I would just you know get away from everybody and climb a tree with a pad and pen and sit up in that tree really? and, and write. And I just loved to write, and I always wanted to write fiction. Um, 
you know, fun stories. That was just I did write um a dreary short story um in, in high school. I think everybody's gotta write one, right? <laughs> of so, course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and then I, I went to college and um, majored in, started out as a music major, French horn. Yeah. And then graduated with a degree in journalism. Yeah, French horn. Yeah. I um, I, I, oh, I, I could talk at length about how mu- the relationship between my, you know, music and writing and the Absolutely. whole process. But yeah, yeah it's just, it was just fantastic. Um, I really, um, I loved it, but it wasn't my what I call my vein of gold. Um, yeah. And I, I just I moved on to, um, you know, when you're in that you're in that music class, and and I said, you know, I really love to write, and they kind of said, yeah, you know, maybe you should go do that. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks a lot. <laughs> I was okay. I did all right. Yeah, I know you're durable. I can tell that just by talking to you. But all right. Oh so you, gosh, so you said, okay, well, you gotta fine. be in this in this world. But yeah, um, yeah so I was right right out of college, and um, and I. I just kept writing, and I I had a child, and when she was born, I I I don't know, there's something about that. I had got the the nerve up to submit to an agent, and I was just oh interesting. I, so wait, wait, wait. So all right, so you were a journalism major. Did you actually you did journalism? You actually were a practicing journalist for a little while. Yeah? Well, I I was in arts and entertainment, and so well, I that's, I that's did fine, but you yeah, wrote in I newspapers. did reviews. Yeah, yeah. Right. I worked for a newspaper, freelance, primarily for a newspaper, okay. and some other some other um, magazines and stuff, um, lo- mostly regional and local. Yeah. And I did have one but national were... magazine article about getting braces as, at thirty. Ah, okay. All right. Yeah. So a tin grin were... at thirty. <laughs> that's that's very fun. And so you were, but you were putting words on the page. You were being paid money. To write something down. I mean, it's still something, you know, you were, it's, you were getting, figuring out how to turn, how to use words and, and probably, and, and you must've gotten a little bit better at just the basic craft of writing while you were doing all that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. Um, I, I, and writing to deadline and dealing with yeah. an, um, an editor, I had this uh, fantastic editor, but but he he didn't he didn't mince words. So I would hand him every you know we still used paper at that time, and I would hand yeah, him yeah. a draft. He would say make it sing, and I'd hand him a draft, and he and he'd ball it up, and he pitch it into you know one of those big <laughs> giant. New, no, he wouldn't. He did. You know, trash baskets like the the, the real yeah. big ones that they have in newsrooms, and boom, he'd lob it in there like he's making a basket, and he'd say, "Start over and make it sing." And so I'd start over wow. and make it sing on deadline. You know, you get twenty minutes. So, um, so that that was very, uh, very helpful. I learned a lot um, from him, and and just going through um, journalism school too, and um, yeah. just just. Yeah, it was it was a very interesting um interesting process to meet some you know, the some of them were hard news reporters, sports reporters, sure. all, the whole sure. the whole nine yards just coming in and out. But but I was I was doing my thing. I was a free um that was one of the fun things was being a freelancer so um I could write my fiction um at right. the same time. And I really and that was I just I always loved to write fiction. You did. So that was really the plan. I mean, if you if you could have waved a wand over yourself getting out of college, you'd have been a novelist right out of the gate. If you could have somehow done that, right? 
Yeah, and I pretty much was a novelist right out the gate. I sold right. my first one. first book I wrote was um, and sold the Venus issue. Um, I wrote when I was twenty three. So wow. that okay. was a while ago. Oh, you little yeah. So you were just a whippersnapper, it, but you sold that thing and was and so you 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 are you published within what we would call romance and romantic suspense that affair genreification yeah. of you or okay yeah uh, and when I started out I was writing romantic suspense I always oh um, that's where you started enjoyed okay. the mix of a relationship plus a lot of action adventure and a mystery and a you know, murder or something and you at know, that wait. time. It just wasn't. There was no market for it. There was because I I think of romantic suspense as something that really came around big time in the two thousands. Really, I don't know if I'm uh, I'm off on that. Uh, Well, yeah, it 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 pretty much yes, and and although it was it kind of had spurts along the way. Yeah, and and I I um you know early early on there was just it was just the publishers didn't want it because. There had been a version of it that was very, very popular, the gothics and the romantic suspense of the right. 70s, and and then it just, but, but genre is not static, it's always changing, and, yeah. and yet there I was at a writer's conference, and an editor said, romantic suspense will be back when pigs can fly, and I'm like, wow. okay, oh, you know. Oh, God. You know what's funny? Okay, so hearing that, we all could roll our eyes and laugh at her, was it a him or a her? It was it was a her and she was a brilliant editor, but that, that okay. was her opinion, boy. She was very. That was her about. opinion, but you know. So now we all look back and uh, uh, but at the time you're sitting there, that's tough to hear if what you're doing, especially yeah. coming from someone you respect who's got a, all this experience and is in the. It's very tough to hear that and, and believe in what you. Yes, think, and you right? and you're trying to figure out an avenue to getting published. Um, that's what I was doing, and there were there. You know, we were a lot of us who were at that time were real trailblazers to figuring figuring things out. And so, yeah. um, I I experimented with just mystery, suspense, and then um, and romance. And romance right. market was was just exploding. And I dove into yeah. it, and I had a, I mean, it was it was great. I romantic comedy, and yeah, I named a dog in one of my books after my brother. You know, it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> and so. You know, one thing I was I was joking about this with uh, earlier about the fact you've published more than seventy five books. So I have a client who is she wants to I, she really romance is I think where she's headed. That's really the where the horse she likes to ride. And recently she just finished her first book and she's tidying it up and going to send it out and all that. Oh, and I said to her, Yeah, it's great. And and she she came along really well. But one thing I said to her, and I'd be curious to get your feedback if I was steering the wrong way. I said, look, romance writers really, the ones I know, write a lot of books. Like they just, like the ones I know who are doing great tend to write two to three a year. Um, and so I said, you might want to start seeing if you can write at that pace. Do you think that's a fair uh, piece of advice for someone who really wants to write in romance? I, I do think that's a fair piece of advice. Oh, good. Um, I've given it to myself. So, yeah. Um, oh, good. Even better. Yeah, and 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 yet everybody's different, and every career sure. path is different too. So, um, you know, if if that's something that that she's driven to do and wants to do, then go for it. But but she may sometimes some people 
write a book, they get it out of their system, or they write in a genre and they get it out of their system, and then they go do something else. Um, That's true. It's just, yeah. You know, the, it just depends on the writer. It's the second book is always always the the tricky one. Um, I saw a statistic years ago that the average writer writes two books, and. Um, uh. And, really? Yeah, and I, I don't. I bet oh. you that's not true today because of um, indie publishing and just the nature, yeah. oh. the nature of the business itself, and of writers and how. Yeah. And we have so much more information, so many more opportunities um, than than when I was starting out. It was just, it was, it was just a quite a different um, business. The publishing business was quite different. The market was different. Yeah. The opportunities, especially for romance writers and. Um, um, romantic suspense, women's fiction, any any of that was it was it was it was different. And you're still being tr- published traditionally? Do you still go traditionally? Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes, and I am. you haven't been because you know I I when I first l- learned about independent publishing and that was it was kind of early on like I remember seeing a sort of prototype for the Kindle for instance. Um, and I was like, oh, this will never work because <laughs> I you know <laughs> I got such vision. So, but but I did think. I did meet a guy from from Harlequin who was a like like the North American sales rep for Harlequin or something, and he was already talking about ebooks and how many readers read ebooks and how he, they ship thirty books a month to some of their readers. And but anyway, it struck me that of all the genres, romance just built for e-publishing and and in a way independent publishing. And so you have not been lured over to that yet. You're happy well, staying. I have um I have the rights to some backlist books. So I've, um, including the Venus Shoe, that very, very first one. Oh, cool. So I've been, I've um, put a few of those um, up on myself, creating my own little thing. And sure. then I wrote a novella on my own. So I, it was a sequel to a series. Um, and there was these, it was just, it was just these two twin, the twin daughters of this Texas Ranger. And they were just fun characters and readers have just kept asking me, are you ever going to write their story? Are we going to do something? And I had this idea and I wrote it and I, um, and I indie published it and it was great yeah. fun. Um, and yeah. I, I, I've learned a lot through that process. Um, uh, so it's, um, which is, it's kind of fun to learn all that stuff, but I, I felt, yeah. I don't know. It was, it was, it was a great experience. I worked with, a you know, an editor and, sure. and I, you know, and, and just to have, something up like that. And who knows, who knows where that will lead me um, down the right. road. So, uh, but right you know, now I, I, I do. I don't recommend, I actually don't recommend indie publishing for a lot of people. I think you've got to have a very particular like psychology for it. And I think it's a, it, this, I think there's a lot of challenges to it. I think people do it to avoid rejection a lot of times. However, I do think established romance writers or established suspense writers they, they, if they're int- really interested in the business side, can can make the shift and do all right for themselves. Especially if they have a really dedicated readership, I do think they have the best chance. So I'm always interested to hear what people are doing with that. Especially you guys over there. Uh, in yeah, I am too. It is it is an interesting part of the business, and it's a um, a lot of the my writer friends are hybrid, and, and I guess you yeah. can call me hybrid at this point too. All but, right, um, I'll call you hybrid. But but not as much. I'm doing. I just put up a, a novella that I refresh. It's a Christmas one, Husband for uh-huh. Hire, 
Yeah, this woman's getting stalked. So right around Christmas, she decides she needs to have some guy pose as her fiance, so she can get out of trouble. It's this whole. It's very funny and it's just entertaining, and um, and so I I went in. I it came out originally in you know like late nineties, and so I, uh-huh. I went in and refreshed it. And I don't yeah. usually do that, but this one just called for it. So you know, I got rid of okay. the VR. And um, and it, it's just, and it's really really loads of fun. I just put that out last week, so I um, um, I'm I'm having fun. I'm having fun with that. And the cover is just beautiful. It was um, I you know work with a, just this great cover person, and That's and great. the whole process was just um, stimulating. And and it's something with you know publishing business, all that business stuff can get kind of daunting at times or depressing sure. even. Um, for any yeah. writer, it, it, you know, we just all go through those moments, and and so just to have something that you can just kind of take charge of and just do, and whatever it does is great, you know. It just and you hope re- oh, and readers have responded to me, and they just thought it was delightful was the word. And I thought, oh, this is great because it, you know, no, it it just hasn't been it hasn't been out in all this time because the books just you know those print books just didn't get reissued. Um, I mean, I've had right. some books get reissued, but this was in an, it was just in this little anthology. And, and so to, to kind of resurrect that and entertain readers, one reader said, well, it was this, she spent a delightful afternoon reading. And I thought, well, isn't that wonderful? That's what you want. That's what you're looking for from, that's what you're trying to share with people. And, and, and when you write, let me ask you this, when you write quickly, do you find, did, did writing fast, because you have to be writing more than, I mean, if you are published 75 books, obviously you're writing a few books a year at least. Uh, did you find that by doing it fast, you could kind of loosen up and get out of your way? Uh, that it actually freed up your imagination a little bit, or did that not play into it? Um, you know, that can play into over it and has, and... and- yeah, I love it when that happens. I absolutely love yeah. it when that happens. Um, um, my daughter just shared an article with me. I think it's it's in the Economist right now, um, oh, and cool. and it's on a, on overthinking and how creative yeah. people can often overthink. And one of the phrases that just jumped out at me is that sometimes you just got to be calculatedly stupid. And I thought, oh, there you go. <laughs> Just not just let it go and not and not overthink. Just say, okay, I'm just going to write this. And and I do. um, I I can find myself overthinking. So sometimes it's like, you know, as we say, anxiety focuses the mind. So nothing like a deadline, right? Just kidding. No, I do think there's something. um, (laughs) uh, You know, I always think of writing as not really thinking, but like listening. It's closer to like. Thinking to me is working with something that's already been done, and I'm putting pieces together. But with the like, you face the blank page, everything has to be new, and it's really to me like I'm listening to whatever. You know, I don't write fiction, that's a but good I write analogy. narrative. I, I like you know, that care, because right. Yeah, you just when you get into that flow, and and everything just kind of kind of goes goes away, yeah. and you're just you're just just writing and. And as you say, listening or or picturing sometimes, yeah, and yeah. and you're just you're just there, and and if you and if you stop to like um, think and think too much, um, that can <laughs> that can get in the way. 
um, whether you're riding fast or slow, and and what does slow Absolutely. mean? What does fast mean? It's like, yeah. you know, um, Nora Roberts has a great quote: "Time the biscuits, not the books." So, and she's written <laughs> over two hundred, well over two hundred. Time books. the biscuits, not the books. Is that what she said? Yes. Yes. <laughs> That's funny. Well, yeah, it's true. I suppose. Uh, you know, compared to I mean, the kind of stuff I do, I probably write faster than some of the people who write the stuff I do, but uh, I will slow down. But even when I'm slowing down, I don't want to be thinking. I just want to be, I always think it's like I'm, if I'm yeah. trying to, if I'm trying to learn how to write the thing I want to write, I always picture it kind of like a diamond and I'm turning it and turning it until I see it the way I want to see it. So I, and then I'll write. So I'm really just trying to picture it different, picture it, picture it until it's the thing I want to describe, if that makes sense. Oh, that does. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. And I also think that um, there's a time to just to just write, just right. just, just go. spit it out, just yeah. go with it, and then you can come back. Um, I happen to have just finished a um, a proofreading, and it turned. Um, I guess it was kind of a editing proofreading episode yeah. because. Yeah. And that's when I slow it down because I look at like okay, even something as small as I used out three times in this paragraph, I got to cut oh, two of them out. You know, I a little thing <laughs> like that. I'm, yeah, yeah. yeah. Where and you really slow it down to make sure the sentence is what your is the what's in your head is on the page. What's in your what you're listening to, what you're seeing, what you're that's envisioning right. is on the page, so the reader can then um, take that and and not have to think about it just just know what it means just, that's right you know i so i love that one i in my book fearless writing i i advise my, my the, the the writers that the only two questions they should basically be asking are what do i want to say so like what's the story you want to tell what does your heroine want to do what's the thing i'm trying to write and then have i and then have i said it so that you she should that your second half of the writing process is to look at the page and say is what's in my head on the page to keep me from saying is this any good is this any good instead oh, just yeah. this you know because you never can answer that stupid question well you don't know right but is well, what you and, want and on it's, the page it's, it's not for us to judge the work I I, um, right. I really I really believe that um, we're to do the work um, and and Ooh, I like because, that. Because if you if you try to judge it, just think of um, reviews. It, are you going to believe only the good reviews? Are you going to believe only the bad reviews? <laughs> That's right. It's just it just doesn't um, it doesn't get you anywhere. And that doesn't mean you can't learn from consistent things. So if there's consistent criticism, that may be something you want to look at. Um, but at the same time, there's. I just saw somebody who was complaining because J.K. Rowling used too many adjectives, and I thought, all right, you know, <laughs> okay. we'll roll with that. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's just, it's just like, does it really help you? Um, you do the best you can with each book and or each project, whatever it is you're writing, and and take it take it from there. And I'm always, I sit down and I try to write the very best book I can, and right. make you know, I put. I put everything in into it. I put I give a hundred percent with each book, and then I worry about the next one. Yeah, Dennis Lehane. He wrote Mystic River and Gone Baby Gone, and so he's this you know kind of suspense, literary suspense, I guess you might call him crime. Um, I interviewed him. He said, you no, know, he's a fan of Humphrey Bogart. <laughs> and Humphrey Bogart said, like I don't owe anyone anything other than my best. 
He said, that's the way I look at it. I don't owe them Mystic River 6. I owe them the best book I can write. That's it. I always, that's all I ever owe anybody. And I thought that's Oh, that's honest. great. You know, because, you know, someone like yourself, you've got your fans and they want what they want, you know. But, I mean, I, I've listened to like, I used to get these arguments with my son when he was younger because there's this whole thing with like Star Wars fans. They get very upset with <laughs> with it, George Lucas and he's not doing it right, you know, in their eyes and they're all frustrated. And I'd be like, look, man, it's not the artist's job to make the stuff that the audience wants. It's the artist's job to make what the artist wants to make. You know, that he doesn't owe them their movie. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And. Yeah. And I think sometimes um, when you just sort of relax into that, it's just the ride. Everything is more fun. It's a lot of work, but it just sure. that it flows better. It's it's just it. And and it. I think that's true of a lot of different things in life. But um, you know, it's just like I, I I say. It's just easier to write with. Yeah, I can write with one hand tied behind my back, but it's just better if I don't. <laughs> and and I think sometimes we tie our hand one hand behind our backs just yeah. as writers because we just get caught up in in well what do you want me to write what do you want me to do right and right. And, and instead of and and yet there are practical considerations like romantic suspense will be back when pigs can fly and and it did come back and we did you yeah know, we we um I you know I have this, this series the Sharp and Donovan series and and it's it's going great lots lots of fun and I've written. And like you say, just in the 2000s, and and it's still going strong. It just needed to find its its new new voice. I um, I often say that genre subgenres are not static; they change. Yeah. Yeah. Do they change? You think the change is driven by the by the author's just restlessness, or by readers hungry for? the next greatest thing or some combination of both? I think it's a combination. And I also think that just people's, you know, your lives change the dynamics that are going around on. Like, um, and if you take women's lives in the seventies versus women's lives. Now, yeah, sure, um, sure. So the romantic suspense reflected that time and the romantic suspense now reflects our time. And that's, that's just, and that you could say that about any genre. Yeah. I I was a big when I was a kid. I was a big fan of Alistair MacLean. Read all his books. Oh yeah. And I was going yeah. back and reading some of them, like Station Zebra, HMS Ulysses. Um, I mean, just uh, just a an incredible storyteller. And 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 reading them, they're still you can still dive in, and they're they're wonderful books. But but they are of that of his era of that time. Yeah. And, um, uh, and, yeah. and 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 I'm not talking about like this is not an age thing. It's just more like when when you um, certain certain kinds of books popular at a certain time, like Tom Clancy. You know, he's right. He stayed popular right up uh, to the end. Or, I don't know. I'm, I'm just kind of. It's just an interesting topic. I, I love. I it love is because you know I was rereading because my son picked it up and I read Lord of the Rings. I was a big fantasy fan when I was a teenager, and I read Lord of the Rings when I was 13. I just ate it up and my son bought it a bunch of years ago when he was in high school to start reading it and I started reading Fellowship of the Ring which was the first book and I couldn't believe how much how he just took his time oh my god I think about how fantasy novels are written today it wouldn't get published 
because he just luxuriates over all this with the party, Hobbiton and all this totally different stylistically from anything I would, I could imagine being written in the fantasy genre now. Yeah. He's the godfather of it all, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, um, interesting to think about, uh, you're sizing mm. some of the, the the big novels, say of the you know, C- Sidney like, Sheldon, or yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And yet some, I don't know. Some some books are timeless, and some are of the moment. And but yeah. genre itself is just always changing. You, you just as soon, you said for a while, paranormal was dead, and then you, paranormal right. comes back. I mean, yeah. you have a tendency. People can get saturated, and they get sick of it but i don't know if we can right. get saturated on anything anymore because there's just so much out there that you can just like you know you binge watch um a tv series and you just know like right. okay i can just yeah. i can just not watch tv here for a while because i just watched <laughs> right. 58 episodes of escape from right. the country <laughs> right well carl okay so I, I have one more question for you but before i ask it uh People are like, oh, she's so interesting. How come I haven't found her books? Best place to find you is just CarlaNeggers.com. Is that your website? I think I got it. Yes, it is. You can find me there. All right. And they can find out all about you. And if do you ever do, like, author appearance stuff? Or is that? Uh, yes, I do. Um, yeah? I do. I, I This year I went to BoucherCon and Thriller Fest. And, oh, good. Oh, um, cool. Yeah. All right, so they can find out, and and if you're going to be somewhere, they can go there, and and you'll there's a place on your website that tells people where you're going to be. Yes, I have a calendar, and it tells what what books I have coming out and where I'm going to be. Um, All right, I don't have a lot up there right now, but it's happening. All right, good, good, good. All right, well, listen, I got one more question for you, Carla, and what I want you to do is finish this sentence. If writing has taught you anything, it's taught you what? Patience. Patience. Determination. Perseverance. Patience, (laughs) determination. They're kind of all linked. I never thought about patience and perseverance being linked, but I think they are. I think they're they're brother and sister, maybe. Yeah? I think so, too. And that that would be another conversation on the music, the music connection (laughs) there. Uh, I would have talked about that. I, too, love music and play music, and uh, I do think there's a connection as well. But, alas, our time is up. Timing is everything. Carla... Uh, Carla, congrats on all the books and all the continued success, and uh, just keep cranking them out, kiddo. All <laughs> right. Well, it was great story. talking to you. It was great talking to you as well. Well, okay. Yes, patience and perseverance, people. Got to stick with it. Okay, I'm going to be back next week, and I'm going to be talking to Rita Dragonette, David novelist. Should be a lot of fun. Until then, Go do something you love. Do it a lot. Stay in the moment. Stay in it. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.